Welcome to the SoGrow Marketing Council podcast. The SoGrow Marketing Council is a membership organization comprised of growing marketers who want to stay ahead of developments in multiple areas of marketing. This podcast features recordings of SoGrow Marketing Council meetings. Tune in to hear expert marketers share tips and discuss the latest strategies and tools in marketing. To join the next meeting and be part of the discussion yourself, visit SoGrowPR.com. That's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com and click on the Marketing Council tab. Let's get growing. Welcome to the SoGrow Marketing Council podcast and video series. So excited to see you guys today. And today we are going to have tips from marketing experts and we're going to share ideas and strategies. And that's the whole point of this group. We get together with a group of really smart marketers and all of us swim in our specific lanes of marketing. And so we're able to share tips from our discipline and that way everybody can learn from all these different areas and we don't have to keep up with everything ourselves. So we are going to hear from you guys today and the people who have submitted tips to present will have four minutes to present. And Sarah will be our timer. So when you hear her timer go off, you'll know that your time is up. And then we'll have one minute for questions and comments. So that'll give us a chance to dig in a little bit more and be able to engage with each other. And um, so I've got the order in there. So um, also be sure to sign up because we have some great resources if you're a marketing council member and you can sign up on sogropr.com. That's S-O-W, so G-R-O-W-P-R.com. And we have a membership tab there. And we have a couple of resources that are really helpful for marketers. And one of them that we just updated is a speaker opportunity database. And right now we have about 60 speaker opportunities in there. And most of those are Georgia based. A lot of them are associations and it has listing either if it's like a specific event, it'll have the submission form that you can click on and submit your speaking um, topics. And then also a lot of local events where they're looking for speakers. And we found the person who makes those decisions. We've got their contact information there and when the meetings are and that sort of thing. So there's a lot of resources like that. And then we also have the Sogo Marketing Council Forum where we post a lot of great tips. So be sure to check those out. All right, so we are going to kick off today. Sarah, would you like to share first? Sure, sure. Um, I'm gonna share my screen. So my name is Sarah Stewart. Um, I'm an account manager with the SoGrow Marketing Council. Um, And please forgive my brain if it's not working completely normally. I had COVID like 15 days ago and I swear I did not have the mild COVID. That thing hit me like gears. Um, All right, so thank you, thank you. Um, So I've got some Instagram marketing tips for everyone to improve your search engine optimization SEO when you're doing those marketing profiles. And this can also translate to TikTok somewhat, um, to LinkedIn, you know, to whatever social media, but it is a little bit specific to um, Instagram. And uh, I've got five tips. So establishing your keywords. Um, It's really important with your social media profiles to Um, come up with those keywords that are really key to your business. So, you know, whatever type of business that you're marketing, um, you know, when search engines work, they really pick up those, you know, those key things, um, whether it's travel here, this comes up in the search a lot. You know, uh, we have 
if a packaging company, packaging, corrugated boxes, things like that. So you want to, you know, look at Google Analytics, look at some insights into your profile, into that business, and then do a little research, do a little homework, and think about those, you know, those words that would come up in the search, and then take those words and we're going to plug them in to a gazillion different places. Um, but, you know, really being simple, but also very specific to the location, you know, the specific niche, you know, whatever that business is, if it's a restaurant, you know, the type of food that it is, barbecue, Atlanta, Southern, um, spicy, Asian fusion, you know, whatever that type of thing to try to be, you know, both general and searchable, but also specific. Where are we gonna put those keywords? Um, this is for Instagram, so you can put them in your bio, um, which is you know really easy. It's 150 characters. Goes in your Instagram. You know you want to be really specific with your bio, um, and you know get make sure that you have those. And I mean, a lot of times people will put their bio up. They'll you know do something cute, or maybe it's quick, or maybe it's one sentence. But just make sure. Those keywords, whatever those, you know, typically three to five keywords are, they're in there. Because I can't tell you how many times we'll be doing an audit of someone's profile, and then we'll we'll go back and look at the basics like this, and then we realize, oh my gosh, they don't even have that packaging keyword or that, um, you know, barbecue or whatever that business is, you know, targeting that location in their actual profile to come up in search engines. The next place that you can put it is in your captions, which um, the captions are the actual post. So, you know, on Instagram, it would be the caption under the photo. Make sure like, you know, when you're doing that content calendar, when you're posting, plug those keywords in there, you know, whether, you know, it, you can work it into the dialogue, to the content, you know, just make sure that it's in there. So it hits a couple of times because the search engine actually does search your post content as well as your bio. Um, the next place that you can put it that sort of um, takes a little more time is your alt text. So when you're doing your images, you can edit the alt text of the images and Google does search those. Uh, so that's really useful and it will bring up your posts and more likely to connect your photos and your posts with your product. And the number fourth place is your hashtags. So we recommend three to five hashtags per post. Um, make sure that those hashtags are specific. Um, you know, they, they wanna be, you know, specific to that business with any, you know, key factors, location, type, um, season, all those type of things. So uh, location setting, I mentioned that, um, the location setting is in your profile settings. This is really important, you know, if people are looking for something, a, bit, a lot of times they want a business specific to their area, something that they can go see if they want to see a brick and mortar store or something like that. So making sure that your location is in there, that is a searchable topic, putting your address in there um, and making sure it's in there and, and you can consider having your location or your city as a keyword. Um, hashtag reminders, um, only relevant hashtags. Um, you know, be specific, niche, think in terms of like, you know, campaign-based hashtags, branded hashtags, three to five per post. Um, and it, 
don't use irrelevant or overly generic hashtags like post here, follow me, um, explore page, that type of thing. So, and then I had a couple of, I thought I'd share an example of another thing. Okay, so with social media, always try to think outside the box, think viral. Um, and this, this, I like to show some examples just so that people are having fun, but um, take advantage of pop culture. So this is actually a sports mascot um, for I believe Philadelphia um, team. And they, this mascot, this profile is so funny. They have so much fun with it. I know the social media team is having so much fun. So they did this Stranger Things, like where the mascot is this character, I, the little redhead girl in this movie that's like getting away. And like just people loved it. They went crazy about it. And it, I mean, it seems, I know when they were pitching it, I mean, they're, creative team was probably like, yes, we can do it. But I know a lot of our B2B teams would be like, what? But don't be afraid to do that because this is the type of stuff people love this. They want to be entertained. So this is fabulous. Um, another really good example I had is I found this one this week and I just adored it. So this is a farm and they have this content creator who posts about their animals all the time. And this it's a working farm in Florida. And there's two great examples I love about this. It's fabulous. She's, you know, educating everyone. It's entertaining. And she shows people the animals and introduces people to the animals. It really, you know, creates a great, you know, feeling about the farm. But in the midst of showing these animals, this emu keeps coming over and knocking over her camera, like throughout over and over and over. And this emu, like this was in the Daily Mail. This made like national media news from this little farm in Florida. And so it's like my, you know, my points here are, you know, be creative, be entertaining, but don't let, don't be afraid to let the things that you think are messing it up take over because it could be the most brilliant thing. So I'm going to let y'all watch this, but. <laughs> This happens constantly. Like you, you have to go look through her stuff. It's Knuckle Bump Farms, and like it's hysterical. This girl will be doing her educational stuff, and this emu just is obsessed with the camera. So, anyway, my name is Sarah Stewart. I'm a social media um, person, an expert, and account manager with Server PR, and that's my tip. And I'll Thanks. share it in on the forum. Thank you. Sarah, so, any questions for Sarah? Yeah, do you uh, recommend using services like SEMrush and stuff for, for, for keywords? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely as much insight and analytics that you can get is so super helpful because then you could see what's working and what's not working. And in um, terms of like things like for B2B, especially TikTok versus YouTube, what would be, I mean, obviously YouTube's more mature and, and yeah. I think is better for longer format stuff. Absolutely. I mean, it's everything seems to be trending toward this um, portrait vertical type of video short format. Um, it's coming up on, you know, reels and Instagram, Facebook, YouTube has YouTube shorts. Um, so that seems to be a really just popular way. And all this, all the other social media platforms are even kind of trending to look more like TikTok and take a, and, you know, take advantage of this popular style um you know with b2b it's 
I kind of at first was shying away from TikTok, but you know, it's everybody just loves it so much. And even our B2B clients, you know, want to have a face on there. So, you know, YouTube's obviously, you know, fabulous, but I would say the short form video format. And I mean, the thing with the portrait is it's easy to read on your phone. So it's taking advantage of people traveling or in their car or however they're viewing, they're viewing the content on their phone. That's great. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it doesn't really, I think it it's getting less where it matters. Don't think of it so much, oh, think of it more in terms of the product that you're doing and then getting it in front of the right people. So where, where are those people that you wanna reach? You know, the short video format and the portrait style is really popular. Um, and don't pick too many social platforms so that you're pick three, you know, yeah, and then do those well. That's great. Awesome. Well, Rudy, I know you've got to hop off our call. Do you want to share a tip before you hop off? Um, sure. I was trying to think what to share. And I, I think that what we've done a lot of lately are our brand launches and new, a lot of renamings going on. I guess the pandemic has spurred a lot of uh, uh, of that sort of thing. We, our, our background is behavior change, um, which we used to work with the CDC a lot, but it seems like lately it's been a lot more small and mid-sized companies who want to change their name or introduce a new product. And that's been a fun experience. So I, I think that, um, I don't know how many people have you all have been through that process with a company. You probably all have. And so there's, there's, you know, we all have our own processes, which are, you know, understanding helping not just you as a vendor understanding who they are but having them hear each other speak which i i've i've i think is much more educational and so we've we've started we've had a lot of success and a lot of people poo poo this we've had a lot of success using a brand wheel i don't know if you guys have used that in your presentations as well i see nodding heads no no um i can share what it looks like um here i'll just um I'll share this. It's it's based on uh, Carl Jung's uh, um, uh, 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 archetypes of hero archetypes. And can you see that? Okay. Mm -hmm. In in story structures. And what we do is to get to this point to help a company decide figure out who they are. We tend to uh, we have a, a list of adjectives that we give them, and 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 the management group will circle five, and we start to have that discussion. And, uh, uh, you know, as you can see, and I don't want to take up everybody's time, you know, you could find this is our version of it, but it's based on what personality your company has, you know, are, are you, um, and give you a better idea of how this shakes out. I'll, I'll do this. Um, I kind of put, you know, uh, some, can you see that one? Yeah, I put some company look, kind of give you an example of what they do and, and there's a, and we have a description of each one but but it's it's a wonderful tool to get your client to start talking about to real to seeing themselves in a different way and what you find is once you know with the adjective uh, uh workshop and and a lot of discussions they, they they start to hone in on something it's really fascinating just showing them the wheel that that they've not considered well that's right who are we are we are we this are we that and it's usually a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And I found it a great tool to get clients to talk about themselves in a different way, not just usually people talk about what they do. You know, we sell the highest quality, blah, 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 whatever. 
They don't ever talk about how they come forth and why it matters is because when you start to, to tell your story, you have to have a voice of some sort and you have to come from some perspective. And either, you know, you can't be an everyman, you know, you can deliver the same message as an everyman or as, as, as um, you know, an outlaw, you know, it's, it's this very different way of telling your story and it really has to match who you are as a company and, and your company has a personality just like you do. Um, and and I, if, if I, I don't know if the audio works, I can show you how that manifested itself recently. We, we work with a company, it was B2B, and they, um, you know, it was obvious they were an everyman type of thing. And so we, we worked with the CEO and the management staff to create a, a video in launching their new name. Um, um, I, 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 is it okay if I show the, the, the video? It's a minute. Long. Yeah, go for okay. it. Go for it. Um, I don't know if you'll hear the sound. If you can't hear it, then then we don't need to look at the video, I guess. Here it is. So while you're doing that, do you find that people are one strong direction in that? Or are there a couple pieces where they pick like, I'm this and we're this and it starts well, to get pedaled? Bef before we get to that wheel, we we have done some work. We have taught, we've interviewed, you know, the, the decision makers, the, the, the decision makers, policy, you know, management staff, and you start to get an idea, salespeople, you start to get an idea of who they are. They are, it's already there. You're not, you're not creating something, you're uncovering it really. And, and the more conversations you have, you, the more you see from an outsider, they don't see it, but you do. Um, um, and then, and then you go through some exercises so they can see it. And like I said, we, we have lists of adjectives and then we show them who, who chose what, what was chosen and why, and, and inevitably, you know, from our experience, it, it, they tend to be an outlier too, but by and large, everybody gets who they are. They just haven't put it into words. Yeah. And, and once everybody's on the same page, then they can all start working, you know, system if they tell their stories, they start to match. And this is sort of the video we put together. They were an everyman changing their name. And this is how they were announcing to their customers that they were changing their name. And that, that their thing was reliability, which is not very sexy, but important. <laughs> oh, let me know if you can hear this. If you can, I'll stop it. Can you hear it? Can't hear it. Can't hear it? All right. Oh, man. You can maybe turn on the subtitles. Yeah. Or you can also put it in the chat and then we can also yeah. take it. This video will take sure, exactly. Sure. Oh, I can hear it. Yep, we can hear it now. Let me try that. Okay. This video will take exactly 60 seconds. How do you know that will happen? Because I just promised it. And everyone, our clients, our vendors, and especially our employees know that a promise we make is one we keep. So let's get started. After over 50 years, we're changing our name. White Knight was originally named to celebrate the doctors who wore our white lab coats. But today, we do so much more. We provide protective wear for labs, pharmaceutical and semiconductor manufacturers, and other critical environments where our garments are the core to protecting people and products. We are Criticore. No other company comes close to our level of material sourcing, apparel construction, and delivery. Because everyone here is committed to fulfilling our promises. Hey, Scott. You've got six seconds. See? Critical protective wear. A promise made is a promise kept. This video will so, take exactly 60 seconds. Right, I... There you go. Uh, so that's sort of how 
we took, we started with who are we, you know, and, and, and what's our personality. And, and you can see where that has sort of an every man, you could deliver that message in a different way, depending on who you are as a person as, and that, 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 that wheel really helped us, you know, uh, get the conversation going. So yeah. hopefully that's a good tip. That's did great. they think, did they think they were something different before? Or they just didn't did know. They just they were they were like, I guess we are. I mean, they'd never really looked mm -hmm. at considered their company as having a personality. Right. Or an archetype. Okay, got it. They just figured they were but but inevitably it, it goes from the top down and you, you start to recruit people and, and, and have a philosophy and, and you know, especially with small and mid sized businesses, they just do the thing that they do the way that they do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and they don't think about who they are and, until it's time to brand something or rebrand. I feel like once you uncover it, they start to build more around that archetype too. 100%. And, and then the ideas come from them, which is what you want. You know, then, then the communications come from them. Then they can go it because there's ownership. And because it's true, which is important because you can't, it's, you know, you can't, you can't lie about who you are. Eventually it comes out because it's true that it, it, it matches who they already are. They, they, they just feel more empowered and, and confident to go out there and tell their story in the right way. That's great. Well, thank you so much for sharing, Rudy. That was really yeah. good. And that CEO did a fabulous job. You can't just put every CEO in a video like that and have them. He did. Out. I told so, him that he was exhausted. <laughs> it was two days and he was exhausted. He oh, never God. wants to do that again. He says. <laughs> great job. You did a great job. Awesome. Kristen, would you like to introduce yourself and share your tip today? Yes, I would. So my name is Kristen Moody. I'm filling in for Kristen Sellier on behalf of IDA Agency. And I'm sure you guys are all familiar with what we do, but we are a full service marketing agency that places an emphasis on graphic design. And um, the big idea that I would like to present today is how brand colors impact gender perception. So I would oh, like to share my neat. screen. Okay. You guys may have to remind me how I, oh, there we are. All right, perfect. <laughs> so color holds a lot of meaning to consumers and at ID8, this is something we have to be especially conscious of when we're designing a client's logo and determining how they'll position themselves. So if a brand uses purple, it may evoke feelings of luxury, royalty, power, and wisdom. The color orange may be indicative of confidence, success, optimism, and innovation. Red commands attention, conveys passion, and promotes action. And more companies are currently choosing non-gender colors to appeal to both men and women, but just how non-gendered can a color truly be? For example, if I show you a picture of pink beside blue, are your first thoughts boy versus girl? How strong of an influence do colors have on gender perception now that androgynous marketing is coming to arise? So I'd like to share an amusing but insightful excerpt from the book Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Um, and it demonstrates how brand colors can impact gender perceptions from the viewpoint of the customer. So in this chapter, she's analyzing the message being conveyed by her son's shampoo bottle versus her daughter's. <laughs> <laughs> I picked up a red bottle from what was clearly my son's side of the shower. It was tall, rectangular, bulky. It yelled at me in bold letters, Three times bigger, doesn't rob you of your dignity. Armor up in man scent, drop kick dirt, then slam odor with a folding chair. And I thought, is my son taking a shower or preparing for war in here? I picked up the girl's slim metallic pink bottle instead of barking 
marching orders at me, this bottle in cursive flowy font was for disconnected adjectives, alluring, radiant, gentle, pure. Now, although this example may be dramatized, it illustrates a marketing truth. Many product types must show a clear gender in their design to succeed. So let's take a look at a case study of two well-known brands from a marketer's point of view. The one on the left uses colors that are traditionally more masculine, but has consistently beat the one on the right in sales by attracting more female shoppers. But how? These two brands are Home Depot and Lowe's. Neither one of these stores traditionally targeted women in their marketing, even though it was found that as much as 80% of home projects are initiated by women. In response to this information, Lowe's made changes to the layouts of their stores and painted in a soft calm blue to attract more women. They also improved efforts to keep the store neat and clean, and the percentage of female customers has risen from 13% in the 1980s to 50% today. So what this means for our industry, not only do brand colors matter, but using them to create an environment that is attractive to your target demographic can have a huge impact on your success. To further quantify why this is important to marketers, the European Journal of Marketing found that the perceived gender of a brand's design successfully predicted the brand's equity more than any other brand personality dimension. So my marketing tip to you is to analyze how a brand's design is helping it reach its marketing goals. Is the brand reaching the right target audience and gender? And if not, it may be time to rebrand. All right, and that's it. <laughs> well, that is really insightful. Any thoughts or questions for Kristen? I was thinking about um, that client and Kristen, you're probably even familiar with um, reflective apparel and how yes. it's so male. Um, yes. And even I did some of their insights for their social media at one point, and it was just like 70%, you know, very high. And, um, you know, how important it is to speak to those people to, you know, with the marketing and with the branding for them to feel like, you know, this prod this product, even from the typeface to the, you know, uh, logo and things like that speaks to me. Right. Um, so I think that's important. Yeah. Sorry. I think it's interesting how much psychology goes into marketing, which is part of what really drew me to it, because I was trying to decide between psychology and marketing. And then I realized, mm -hmm. well, marketing is psychology. It's just fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. This, this is so insightful. You know, I, I'm taking this course on leadership development course. And I, my, my brother recommended me this course because of this dude that does it, you know, and then I have followed his wife and I like her. But it's, I always do growth development programs. And I do them by myself and I do the certifications and I'm like a great student. But this program is, is like so difficult for me to follow. And as you're saying, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's black with red. Like, it's like really, like the design is, doesn't have any feminine thing in it. Yeah. Um, oh. And it's, it's like, I don't like, it's like I put the thing on the website, click on the thing and it's like going to the next level of clicking. Like it's, and as I'm, as you're saying, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's not, it's not pretty, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, it doesn't have a feminine thing, you know? Um, so I was like, oh, there's a psychology aspect to this, you know? So I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So well, thank you so much, Kristen. That's a great tip. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, no Virginia, problem. do you want to introduce yourself and share a tip today? Yeah, of course. Um, so my name is Virginia Navajiger. I'm the CEO of Transformative Power. And I am the owner of a strategic marketing consulting firm. And I have a different approach than most strategic marketers. Um, I have a leadership development approach. And what I believe is that uh, both people and organizations 
that really want to stand out with their marketing, um, they need to have a leadership development approach that comes from the inside. And if they really don't know what their inner capabilities are, what their truth is, what their own voice and vision is, then basically they're doing me too marketing. Um, and they just sound like everybody else. And then basically it's like all those advertisements you see, and then you just see the photo of one guy, one guy, and it just sounds like the same message. And you don't know the difference, right? So a lot of people have a uh, challenge with that, that they, you know, people don't really recognize them or understand really what their value proposition is. And I see a big blind spot around the leadership development aspect behind doing a strategic development. Um, so that's kind of my company and my way of seeing it. And the tip for today is, I mean, um, I believe that engagement is the most important priority on a strategy and communication. If you can not have an engaged brand, then you're not getting the result and the outcome that you need. And, and you know, so in today's world, we have a lot of content creation that goes as part of creating a brand and, and building a connection with a customer. And if we don't really think about how we're engaging, we're basically missing the whole mark of whatever it is that we're doing. And a lot of us, you know, need to do content creation as part of doing this um, engagement. So one of the things I've been really thinking about lately is the difference between a trailer, a TV show, and a film. And, you know, most people, I think, you know, approach marketing from this is the title, this is a subtitle, this is bullet points, you know? And then people are like, I don't care about your title. I don't care about your bullet points. I don't care about this, you know? And they just like swipe, you know, next. And they don't think about emotion and they don't think about characters. And they don't think about storylines. So they don't think about who is the character here. Is the character here the company? Is the character here the people that work in the company? Is the character here the visionary of the company? If it's like an entrepreneur, is the character here the customer? Is the character here the decision maker? Is the character here the wife of the customer that buys the product? Is the, is the character here the buyer or the influencer? So, so most of the time when we're mapping content, we're mapping what we want to say, what we do, how we do it, how we're amazing at doing it, but we do not map the characters. And if we go beyond the characters and then map them out, like if we were doing a movie, you know, and a trailer, then we will have a full story. And the thing that I've been really, really excited about is like, I was like, if, if people created programs, like they create TV shows, I would be like in personal growth development, like every single day watching stuff. And I would be like the most growth person in the planet because TV programs are engaging, you know? And basically, you know, they have like this formula, right? That they come here and that they get you all excited to the next level. So one tip could be that, you know, instead of doing the five secrets to do X, what if you did the one secret and then the next secret and the next secret and the next secret? Because if somebody lands in your page and then gets a secret number two, right? And they like it they're going to click the secret number one and they're going to click the secret number three and they're going to be like, hey, in like on Wednesday in my Instagram, I want to post secret number four, you know? So I was just thinking about like, how can we really actually use our own entertainment? And like, you know, you know, if you guys are into Netflix and like, 
um, you know, watching movies and like watching TV shows. Like how can we go and watch whatever we watch and learn from the creators that are amazing producers and then move it into our strategy and move it into the way we lead our, our content. And, um, and then I think, you know, the difference between a TV show and a film, it's like a TV show makes you have a relationship with somebody. And then you're like, oh my God, I know more about you. And I know more about you. And I know more about you. And I like you or I hate you, you know, depending if you're a good guy or bad guy, right? And a film is like, I know this happened to you and this happened next and this ended, right? So we need to decide what kind of engagement level we want and who do we want to be? Do we want to be those, that person is so deep and in relationship, like a TV show that you're like, oh my God, I want to learn more about you. Because that's how we get, you know, people to really follow us and read our stuff and like, and we create that leadership. So, so yeah, that's my, I guess. <laughs> my inspiration based on my entertainment options. That's great, Virginia. I love it because I feel like so many times people talk about, here's your avatar, build your whole story around your avatar. And you're talking about, well, what are the other characters in the story and what is their role? And so you want the hero to be the customer, right? So you want the story to be about the customer, but what role does your team play in that? What role does the CEO play in that? What role do these other people in their life play in that? And that's just an interesting way to think of it because we always, I think, you know, it's so overdone in marketing, like get your avatar, get your avatar, get your avatar. And, you know, that's one piece of the picture, one piece of the story. So that's a great way to think of it. I love that visual. Thank you. And also I think it's important to see the decision maker because like if I sell to a kid, but then the, the one that buys things is the dad or the mom is how can you get them involved in the story? So the mom comes see it and then buy more stuff for the kid, right? <laughs> you know, like, right. Always the thing and it works. <laughs> Kristen, did you have a thought? Yeah, no, I just thought that was really interesting because I've never really thought about it that way before about like really building up a story. But I recently um, I took an Enneagram test and I learned that apparently a lot of oh. these things around the Enneagram and they'll like build characters based on that, too. And I think that kind of helps put into perspective that, you know, it gets your audience to know you so much better and on a deeper level and really like drawing out that storyline and keeping them engaged is just yeah, that that was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> what number are you, Kristen? <laughs> yeah. So what number are you, Kristen? Oh, I'm a five with I'm a four five. wings. So I think that's classified as a philosopher. So my main motivation is being informed, getting knowledge and information. Um, and then four is kind of more the creative side. So that's kind of where the philosopher comes into place. Cause I really like to get to know people on a very deep level. I'm not a very surface level person <laughs> with conversations normally. So yeah, it was interesting getting to know myself that way too. And so having good. that category was kind of neat. But that is I'm five, not, not, not the four, but I've got, I've got the five. So that's so yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Virginia. I love that tip. That's so great. Thank you. Well, okay. So today I would like to share a tip about public relations. And my name is Stephanie Richards and my company is SoGrow Public Relations. And we do public relations for companies who want to get exposure in the media. And we typically work with B2B companies. So I am going to share a tip today about six tips. Oh, hang on just a second. Um, hang on. There we go. Okay. 
six tips to write media winning subject lines. So when you are writing for the media, you want your emails to be read. Otherwise you don't get media coverage. So we're going to start with an example of a subject line that I wrote that got media coverage for a client. So the exact subject line I put in the emails, it's article colon evaluate virtual events to engage six figure clients. So we're going to break this down and we're going to talk about what made this an enticing subject line. They got media coverage. And this one in particular, we email editors one at a time and we're very careful about exclusive content. And a couple editors didn't get back to me quickly. And so I emailed a couple others and we had um, a couple editors actually want this story and we had to go back and like write a different article for them, that sort of thing. So this one definitely was, was a winner. Okay, so let's leave our example up there and let's walk through it. So the first tip, begin with the word story or article and then put a colon. And the reason for that is because you want to be very specific about why you are emailing them. If you have some random subject line that they have no context for, they don't know if you're trying to sell them something. They don't know if it's, you know, some, they, they just have no idea. So, and some people put news tip, that's fine, but it's an extra, it's two words. It's fine. You know, it works too, but, um, you know, story or article colon, and then you put your really engaging subject line. So the next tip is to front load the subject line. You want somebody to get the most important information first. So if they don't read the entire headline or the entire subject line, you don't want them to miss the most important part. Also, if your subject line gets cut off because they're not seeing all of it, you don't want the most important part to be cut off. So front load it with the most important information. And then start with the what, and then add a specific who. So in this case, we're talking about elevating virtual events. That is our what. So they know within three words, we're talking about how do you elevate virtual events? And then we're talking about who is the, what is the who? It's to engage six-figure clients. And there were a bazillion articles out there about virtual events and engagement and that sort of thing. But what made this article appealing is that we were talking about how to attract those really, really high value clients and how you keep them engaged at events. So start with the what and then add a very, very specific who that, that you're talking about in the story. And then next use action verbs. So this one was elevate, but it could be any really, really strong action verb. And the stronger that the verb is, the more information you are able to convey in that very short amount of space. So we're talking about elevating virtual events that tells you a lot about what we're trying to communicate in a very succinct word. And then don't mention the company name or product in the subject line. If your story is strong enough to stand on its own without mentioning the company and the product, you're more likely to get coverage because the editor will see it as educational and informational. If you put your company product name or your company name in there, they're going to look at it and think this is probably more like you're trying to get free advertising and you're not trying to educate people. So put your company name, put your product name. I mean, sometimes I even put it towards the end of my pitch, but it needs to be in there, obviously, but you don't want to lead with that. And then keep it short. You want to keep it, you know, six to eight words. And if you, you don't want it so long that the end of the subject line gets cut off and then they don't even see part of, of the subject line. So keep it really, really short. 
So these are tips that we use whenever we email members of the media, and these work really, really well for getting those emails opened, which can result in media coverage. Any thoughts, questions? I have a question, but maybe it's unrelated. Um, like one of the things like, you know, obviously this, this process has a specific goal for PR purposes. So an editor picks it, right? But one of the things I've been noticing is that like in terms of, of Google or things like that, right? Like I'm noticing Google is like, you know, there's a lot of like keywords and whatever. And, and then the subject lines in many ways, they become really lame, you know, because then that, that's the kind of the, the way the person asks the question. So how do you overcome like, okay, say, say an editor, right? It's, is using this thing for a digital purpose. And then is going to put it in their digital magazine or whatever, right? And then you have them Google picking up stuff. And then if you see a lot of the Google things are really, I don't know, whatever I've seen is kind of lame in my opinion, but then it's, it's kind of how the person writes it, right? Like, so how do you, how do you manage that? Because in, yeah, on one side, you want the editor to pick your piece. And then the other side, you want the reader that Googles something gets it or that whatever puts it in a, you know, in the yeah. website or whatever, you know. So how do you handle that? Well, that makes a lot of sense. And a lot of the best articles are the ones that you can start with how to, and then you put in what it is that you're trying to teach them. And this could basically be that same thing, how to elevate virtual events to engage six-figure clients. And that may have even been the title. I think that could have even been the title of the article that ended up being there. And that way, when somebody is searching and typing in, how do you get engagement at virtual events, this starts to pop up. And so as the person that's pitching the story, we don't necessarily have to have those keywords because we're not trying to have this searched. It's just going to an inbox. But that structure is basically there for the editor to just be able to put into the article because the content is really there. They just need to add, you know, maybe a couple words to start putting it in that form of how to or, or whatever that question might be that they're typing in. And then you also have room in the email. So, you know, what we typically do is we write the full article. And this is, is not something that most PR firms do, but we'll write the entire article and then we'll copy and paste it and put it in the email. So you have the information in the pitch that you have an opportunity to say what you need to say. And then you can put the full article in there. And so that article could line up more with what is searched on Google and that sort of thing. But it gives the editor a chance to see the article and there's no ambiguity. They can see exactly what the content is and see if it would fit in that. Does that answer your question? I just have, a, I guess, an additional question. So in that particular case, you wouldn't put how to elevate whatever you know, events or stuff like that which that would be the, I guess, more Google-centric article, you will, you will still stay within your core message of Elevate to make it more stand out. But, but then at the end, you know that maybe if you actually wrote that article, it probably wouldn't be as successful unless you have the how-to, correct? So yes, the, the subject line in the email would not necessarily have the how-to because it's basically just extra words and it, it's implied. Mm -hmm. So, you know, elevate events to gauge six-figure clients. You could say how to elevate events to engage six-figure clients, but now you've got all these extra words. But in the headline down below in the email, you could put how to elevate 
virtual events to engage six-figure clients. So in your subject line, you want it short and sweet. You want to get to the point, but you have a little bit more room to do the article title with some of those questions that people will start searching in Google. So you basically do both, but for the email purposes, you want to make it really, really short. So a lot of those words, you just don't leave or you just take out in the subject line. Oh, thank you. Absolutely wonderful. Well, thank you guys. Uh, sorry, is there like a rule of thumb with how many words you should have maximum or minimum for a subject line? I go for six to eight because anything past that, they start to get cut off. And, you know, usually three or four words, it's just not usually enough. If you can do it, that's amazing. Yeah. But you know, usually you need six to eight words, but, um, you know, and it also depends too, because if you have really long words, you know, can you say that with shorter words too, because that can help as well. Okay. Gotcha. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. Well, thank you guys so much for attending today. It is so great to have you guys and hear from you guys. I learned so much from all of your tips, really appreciate it. And certainly be sure to sign up for the podcast because you guys can catch up on all of the past episodes. And then we like to use your tips and be able to share you guys as experts. And so, um, you know, a lot of these tips end up being featured in the podcast and on YouTube and um, so you guys feel free to take those tips and promote them as well. And then also invite all of your marketing colleagues. So the more marketers that we have attend, the more that we can learn and the more that we can network as well. Thank you for listening to the SoGrow Marketing Council podcast. Want to be part of our next meeting? Visit SoGrowPR.com. That's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com and click on the Marketing Council tab to sign up for our next event. Until next time, keep growing.